Ghost. Amen. Well, I have some good news. I'm sitting up here and I'm looking at you fanning yourselves or waving to me with your leaflets, so I've cut down the sermon by a third. See, I'm starting on the fourth page rather than the fifth. The second thing I want to say about the gospel is that people who write up these lectionaries that we use Sunday by Sunday uh, are fools. They've clipped out the major part of the gospel for today, but I will soldier on in spite of them. And they took up the leftovers, the 12 baskets of the pieces of bread and fish. The part, therefore, they left out was the feeding, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. The great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is the second most prominent miracle recorded in the gospel, second only to the resurrection of our Lord. All four gospels tell it, and Mark tells it twice with different numbers. And a grand miracle it is. Now I know that there are some people who may find the gospel miracles difficult to swallow. This is a sad failure of the imagination, and it is unfortunate. I know that occasionally some slick preacher will tell you that you need more belief and fewer beliefs. That's even more misfortunate. Belief is not something one just picks up in a big package. It is composed of countless little acts and moments of unexpected grace and surprising acts of charity and wonder. If you look in your own life, the belief that you bring into this building today is made up of all sorts of little occasions and some indeed which are miraculous. To squeeze the miracles out of the gospel is ultimately to condescend to those persons whose minds are unable to grasp them. Now, you may not buy that from me, but I'm going to say it to you again. To squeeze the miracles out of the gospel is ultimately to condescend to those persons whose minds are unable to grasp them. And they took up the leftovers, the 12 baskets, and pieces of bread and fish. The part of the miracle of the miraculous feeding that holds my attention is, of course, those leftovers. They are the most important part of the story. For whom are they left over? One of the lessons in life that is important to learn is that the things do not always come out even. Sometimes we get too much. Sometimes we lose out. Sometimes there are occasions to borrow and others to share. 
And sometimes it's it's appropriate to save, and at other times it's necessary to cash out. And then there are the leftovers. And it is my contention that we often find God's saving grace in the leftovers. I remember and I learned the lesson of the leftovers early in my ministry from an old couple. They were German. They were very German. They came to this country shortly after the war. They were on the losing side and the wrong side. And they arrived, they told me, in New York with a couple of trunks of family possessions and the clothes on their back. In their tiny New York apartment, I noticed a very old fine engraving of a castle. It was Fritz's castle. He had been born in it, and countless generations of his family had been born in it. The castle at that time appeared to be lost forever in East Germany. And Fritz and Gabriella were great patriotic Americans. They loved their second country with the same passion and devotion that they gave to their native land. And I enjoyed old Fritz's stories of life, of what had been seemed to me life in another world, which began at the beginning of another century with kings and kaisers and castles and carriages. One of his Austrian grandfathers had a villa in Venice that Peggy Guggenheim made into a museum. Fritz grumbled about that. But as he told those old tales, on more than one occasion he remarked how he learned to find God in the scraps and the crumbs of life. And looking at that old picture, that old castle, he said, oh, Herr Stickwe, there is always something left over, not just to remember, not just to hold on to, but there is always a seed for new life in the crumbs of what are left over from the old. In that sense, life always moves on with the divine potential in the crumbs and ruins of falling kingdoms. Fritz maintained he found that the best of life was in a new life, and that life emerged out of all sorts of little acts of surprising kindness he had received in the land that was new and strange to him. My old friend told me that even looking back in a different light on what had been in his old life revealed to him moments of godly, miraculous grace which had gone by having taken them for granted. In a moment or two, you and I will have a crumb of bread and a sip of wine. 
And I tell you with absolute certainty that it is miraculous. It is transcending time and space. They are left over from that time in a distant land when 5,000 people in a late afternoon sat down on the green grass in companies of hundreds and fifties and were fed and were nourished for their journey home and for the week ahead. And then only a few months later in an upper room, he candidly says over the bread and wine, this is my body. And from that time to this, these leftovers from his sacrificial life grow in our lives, giving purpose and dignity and eternal significance to our hopes and to our dreams. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.